Yeah, a warm welcome to... What is it? It's Wednesday's programme. That's the one I had to think about that. It's Richie Allen with you live from Salford where it is raining dats and cogs. It's been a horrible day here today. After a pretty decent week before that, I've got a really, really interesting lady to introduce you to in a few minutes' time. She's in Meath, I think. Uh, Jana London is her name. She was on national radio on Monday in an extraordinary exchange, really, on a programme called Liveline. We'll talk to Jana in a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'll be taking your telephone calls, so I will, and your Skypes. I've already put the memes on the website. They're already on everywhere. You don't need to know the memes. You know the numbers by now. We'll do a phone-in later as well. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, so back on Monday on on a national radio phone-in show in Ireland, they were discussing a book called This Is Gay. Excuse me, This Book Is Gay. It depicts graphic descriptions of sex and homosexual sex acts and it's meant for 12 to 17 year olds now a group of parents and teachers don't like this and this was why this phone-in happened on monday it was really extraordinary and jana london rang in and upstaged the presenter and made him look like a bit of an idiot really she's an advocate for health freedom human rights women children and the family unit and she founded as a natural women's council so she joins me in a few minutes time and that should be very interesting. Looking forward to chatting with Jana. Met her earlier. She's a really nice lady and doesn't pull any punches. So she joins me. And after that, we'll uh, do the phone-in, okay? So I'll give you the phone-in details now, the way I normally give them to you, but they are already on Twitter, BBG Richie, and they're on the website, richieallen.co.uk. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, I've got to get that sting amended to talk to Richie in a few minutes or talk to Richie in a half an hour. Yeah, that's it. So that's, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. If you are a lady, get in touch. If you've not been in touch before, get in touch and we'll talk about the issues. Maybe what I will be discussing with Jana. We might flesh that out a bit further in the phone-in. We can talk about absolutely anything. So it's probably the first time in history that I've not done a monologue. (laughs) I've not prepared a news rundown because I'm going straight into uh, Jana in a moment. But to be honest with you, I was kind of surprised, you might call me naive, at the amount of time afforded to the Trump situation by the British media today. Every news programme, television and radio ran, excuse me, led with it and repeatedly throughout the day played long sections or segments of Trump's speech at Mar-a-Lago when he, when he got home to Florida after he'd been to New York to be arrested and formerly, formerly even charged. Then he went back. I mean, the ridiculous, ridiculous amount of coverage given to it today. You're adding to it, Baldy, fair enough. This was something I posted on my website, which is important. Lauren Moss writing for the BBC today. Ministers will consider advice from the Human Rights Watchdog about amending a legal definition of sex 
which would make it easier to exclude transgender people from some groups or services. So on the face of this, this on the face of it even, this sounds positive. When it, you know, when, when we talk about protecting women and girls, this sounds positive. But don't trust it, right? Changing the Equality Act term, changing the Equality Act term to biological sex would make single-sex services offers easier, according to the Equality and Human Rights Commission here in the UK. So the broadsheet newspapers, the Times and the Telegraph went big on this today, and they framed it as UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak determined to protect the rights of women. That's biological women, real women, as you and I would call them. So needless to say... Stonewall and Mermaids, these organisations which purport to look out for the rights of LGBTQ plus people, they're enraged and reckon this will add to a manufactured culture war. I have no doubt that uh, Jana London will have something to say about that when we chat in a few minutes' time. 25 minutes to the top of the hour. Indeed. Okay. We, uh, what else is there? Nicola Sturgeon is not at home this afternoon. Her home, this is the former First Minister of Scotland, her home has been turned into a crime scene. And that is because her husband, Peter Morrill, was taken into police custody. They're searching the couple's home and the SNP's headquarters. Why? Well, they're probing the finances of the party, basically. He's being questioned. There are allegations flying around social media. I don't think I'm in any danger of being sued, but I'm not going to add to those. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, to speculate. Anywho, but uh, yeah, that's getting a lot of coverage as well. What else can I tell you about today? What else can I tell you? Violent scenes. This has been all over Twitter today, which is a positive thing. It's a terrible story. Um, you, you will have seen videos of heavily armed Israeli police battering, kicking, um, beating, humiliating Palestinian worship worshippers who barricaded themselves inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You know that we are in Ramadan at the moment. This footage is disgusting. I spent years talking about the crimes of the Israeli state on this programme. I don't have time to get into it today, but I think we need to spend a little bit more time on it in the coming days and weeks. Disgusting scenes there. But they're all over Twitter. Not a peep, of course, from the UK government, let alone the government of the United States or France or Italy or Germany or anyone else you care to think of. Okay. What else have I got for you now? Nothing. I'm going to take a very quick tune is what I'm going to do. When we come back, John London will be on with me. And then remember, a bit later on, I will be taking your telephone calls and Skypes. The contact details are on Twitter, BBG Richie, but they are pinned to the top of live comment on richieallen.co.uk. And if you go to my Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie, you will see in the photo section, the meme with the contact details has in fact been posted about 500,000 times. It's your call. Skype. 
chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And that phone, in, as I said, in about 35 minutes' time, okay? To all the listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Right, Jana London joins us live on the line just after this from Glen Campbell. It's uh, Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Gentle on my mind, Glenn Campbell on the Richie Allen Show, 19 minutes to 5 o'clock. So Jonathan Stone is a great guy and a friend of the programmes, got in touch with me yesterday and he said, Richie, did you hear Liveline on National Radio RTE on Monday? I said, no, I didn't. I do listen to it occasionally. He said there was an incredibly um, serious and at times very funny exchange about a book called This Book is Gay, which I've had a look at myself and it's it's pretty... It's pretty awful. No 12-year-old anywhere in the world really should be reading it. Let's get that out of the way first, right? And it's available in libraries for children. And a group of parents and teachers are not happy with it, understandably, and want to know why public libraries would hand the book over to children. So people phoned in about this and spoke about this. Before we welcome Jana to the show, let's have a listen to Jana's exchange with the presenter, a guy called Philip Boucher Hayes. There is a strong language warning on this. I say this with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, right? This is uh, Jana in conversation with the presenter, who I believe was standing in for the regular guy. Have a listen to this. Now, the presenter says there's nothing wrong with this language because we would have used these terms in the playground in the 80s and the 70s, so I don't know what, what the mums are kicking up a fuss about. Listen to this. When I was in national school, neither today nor yesterday, all of those words were in circulation and we were a lot, lot younger than 12. And the idea that we would have had something authoritative to go and explain to us what all of those is, as opposed to relying on the misinformation of other 10 and 11 year old kids. Yeah. Would uh, actually, I don't would want actually, my age well, 12 reading that. I, I don't want, my, as a concerned and, mother, and, and do, if a, if a and, parent and, wants their kid to learn about that, buy them the book and read it at home. But what I will tell you is, if but, I drop but Jana, my 12 your, child is going to library, be, I don't want them reading that. If you don't want them reading it, then you restrict their library card to stop them from borrowing it. But if they go in, so can I ask a question, right? If I drop an age 12 or 13 year old off at the library or shopping, a shopping mall, they go to shopping malls at 13. If I drop my child off at a library to study and read books, I should trust that under the Library Act, it says books or categories as age appropriate. Now, teaching a 12 year old to slide their mouth up and down the shaft of a cock is not appropriate okay. for my age 12 daughter, okay? Not appropriate. Anyone thinks it's appropriate, they're clearly a groomer. Okay, Jana. 
you fo- fo- follow your own advice from earlier on. Yeah, what a patronising git. This is the same guy who said earlier on in the programme that the language is appropriate and it's language that is used in playgrounds. Jana London is the founder of Natural Women's Council. Uh, Ireland and is a an advocate for human rights for the rights of women, children and the family unit. Jana, welcome to the programme. How are you? I'm great, Richie. Thanks for having me on. I'm in a really good mood. I just visited another library. So li- life is starting to improve over here on the island. Well done you. So let's let's start with that. So you went to another library this afternoon. Presumably it's got the book there and it's offering it. Uh, I went to the Ashburn County Mead, uh, sorry, the Navin one today, and all of the books that were previously in the young adult, which is considered age 12 to 17, all of those books today were coincidentally or not moved into the adult section over 18. So that was a, a great thing to see. And the same thing I saw at the Ashburn Library here in Meath. So slowly but surely, libraries are looking at the books, taking our concerns and moving them into the adult section because they're clearly adult material. Everybody knows I agree with you. So this is, it's, it's difficult for the neutral probably to listen to this. But look, we'll, I'm going to do my best in the absence of any opposition, right? What about those who say, look, we're about the same age, John. I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. They will say times were different, 70s, 80s. It, it wasn't necessary to intervene and to speak to children about these issues. But now in the era of smartphones and smart gadgets where they are exposed to pretty vulgar and very, very graphic stuff that um, there is a, an argument to be made to speak to kids about these issues a little bit younger than we would have done before. What's your response? Yeah, great question. Uh, I do believe that kids in the world of smartphones and tablets and video games and, you know, the less they're out in nature and the less they're out doing things that, you know, age 12 to 17 children should have done or like I did in the 70s, the more there is a risk. I understand that. However, it is our job as responsible adults to minimize the risk of the material they see. So just because they may be able to see it on an iPad in the corner in their bedroom or talk about it on the playground, that argument doesn't justify that it should be in school curriculums or in the library. So our job as adults is to minimize the risk to safeguard children and follow uh, the laws that we have in place to do that. I don't understand. Look, I agree. Look, I don't understand why that book uses such graphic terminology. I mean, the word penis is appropriate. When I went to secondary school and studied biology, we talked about penises and vaginas. We talked about gametes. We talked about all, you know, these were, these were scientific terms. What, what, what you said to uh, the presenter on, on Liveline when you completely gazumped him, basically, it's shocking to me that anybody would think that sort of language is appropriate for a 12-year-old. Surely you can speak to a child about sexual activity without using those terms. Why do, do you think they use those terms? Uh, $64 million question. Those terms, I'm a woman, uh, I'm a mom of two kids and I'm in my mid-40s and I felt uncomfortable reading it on the radio. Those words, I didn't like them to leave my mouth, but I felt it was the only way to show the hypocrisy of you know, it's it's okay to have it in libraries, but not on the radio. So I caught the the, the host in a real hi- hypocritical moment. The question is why that language? I think that it is tr- whoever is behind the agenda, which I can talk about in, in a moment. They are trying to fetishize children. They are trying to sexualize children, indoctrinate children, and make this language seem normal. They're doing it under the guise of kindness and inclusion and respecting minorities. But 
all of the friends I have in the gay community, they don't want this. They don't want this language being tied to, you know, them as a minority. So it's a really radical political agenda that's trying to normalize this language for our young children's ears to hear, pictures for their eyes to see. And in no way, shape or form should this ever be normal for children. You'll be aware of this issue in schools here in the UK, the relationships and sex education curriculum here, which is shocking people. In fact, a a Conservative Party MP, Miriam Cates, has managed to get the Prime Minister to not launch, but to, to kind of order a review into it, which is not good enough, really. They should order an inquiry into it. There seems to be a little bit of a pushback here. I have to say, I don't know very much about what is happening in primary schools and in early secondary schools in Ireland. Is it a similar thing, Jana? I, it's, it's in, we're in a very extreme situation here. It started with some proposals that were going to be made into the Irish curriculum down to the primary school level, which starts at age five. Now, we as parents, I get many surveys to take from my school's communication system. It's called Aladdin. And things like surveys on digital literacy, surveys on disability, etc., The government wanted parents' feedback, allegedly, on the proposed curriculum changes for the RSE. However, that survey wasn't sent to parents the same way all the other surveys were sent through our school communication system. Parents didn't know about it until groups like myself were out campaigning, handing out flyers, speaking at events. So they wanted to change the curriculum, but the only people that seemed to know about these proposals were the radical trans right activist groups, the government-funded NGOs. So they gave their input in the curriculum, but mothers and fathers weren't really asked for it. Um, And the changes coming here in schools, they want to implement uh, pornography into the curriculum. They want to implement the transgender ideology into the curriculum. Uh, There's already a book going around in schools that was done without any parent consultation or knowledge called Busybodies, talking about gender being fluid, gender identity being a choice. You know, we're not always the the sex uh, we were born in. So these things are getting threaded into every aspect of the child curriculum without parent consent. When we speak up, we launched a campaign for parents to do an opt-out letter. Uh, But when we speak up over here, we are... Uh, silenced, we are censored, we are gaslighted, we are labeled. I've had a smear campaign personally done against me, calling me all sorts of of vulgar names because I'm standing up to protect childhood, which anyone with common sense should, should do. They have a go at people like yourself. It's really to signal to others that you, you could be in serious trouble if you, you know, if you follow Jana London's lead and ask any questions. And people fear it more than ever, the advent of social media. I mean, I came into the media long before social media and people never had to worry about losing status or losing a job because of an opinion. But they do now because of social media. And I reckon there will be a lot of parents who will listen to you on national radio in Ireland and they'll say, you know, God, that lady is right there, but I'm not saying anything because, I, you know, and that's what it's about. And, and that, that works in many cases. But there must be more concerned parents. And then somebody said to me, Jana, they said, Richie, don't forget, m- most couples now are working and to make ends meet. Mom and dad are working. And at the end of the day, there's barely enough time to spend a couple of minutes in front of the television with the dinner. 
and uh, there's just no time. And a lot of parents are maybe not even aware that this stuff is being spoken about in schools. Do you go along with that? Absolutely. Even on my Twitter account, I've had a lot of comments, people saying, I didn't know this was happening at all. I didn't know about any of these books in the library. So the best that we're spending, you know, hours and hours every week, myself, my volunteer organization, other fantastic organizations like Parents Rights Alliance, Lawyers for Justice Ireland, Ireland Education Alliance, the Countess, my group, the Natural Women's Council, out on the street giving speeches, events, with our own time, with our own money. We're not funded at all. We're grassroots. And there are still people that don't know. We have another big assembly we're doing tomorrow in Swords uh, in Dublin um, at 12 o'clock in Swords to speak about what's happening, what concerns we have, and what action people can take. And we we should be having a a really good gathering tomorrow. But parents are scared to go in the libraries. An article came out on April 3rd in the Irish Times saying that Public library staff have been issued with instructions to secure buildings and alert guardee to avoid and avoid commenting to the media in response to the protesters uh, coming into the library to remove these books. So if someone on the street read this and wasn't aware of what was actually in the book, they actually hadn't opened the book and read this these concerns, they would actually, it would be the perception that we are a bunch of aggressive, dangerous people that the library now have to increase security and call the Garda on, when really we're going in the library, looking at the books, serving a notice letter and walking out peacefully. So, you know, it's just crazy that they're they're vilifying us in such a way when we have really serious concerns. We're asking valid questions. The government has turned their back on the Irish people. John, how many librarians knew about the content of the book and how many didn't? And I imagine some of those who didn't probably were probably shocked and said, right, yeah, you're right, yeah, we'll put it in the adult section, this doesn't belong here. Great question. Yeah, I went into a few libraries and the attitude I had from the people behind the the big glass COVID uh, frame when I walked in was, well, I'm just doing my job or, oh, I, I just put the books out. You know, people are just doing their job. And when I, when I asked, you know, very calmly asked the question, uh, have you read what's in the book? No, no, we just put them out. We, we don't label the ages on them. We just put them out and do our job. And at one point, I actually opened the book and said, well, let me read you some captions from the age 12 book here. And I opened the book. And after two sentences, the lady nearly plugged her ears and said, OK, you don't have to read anymore. Stop, stop, right. stop. And I said, but this is for age 12. It's making you in your 50s uncomfortable. But this is for age 12. So I left with a stack of books, served the notice letter, uh, Got a response back from the library manager, basically dismissing it, saying it's up to parents to safeguard their children at libraries. It's not up to the libraries, which is against their 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 law. Um, sent a second notice. I was dismissed again, referred to the children's ombudsman. We sent a third notice, dismissed. And the children's ombudsman in Ireland also dismissed us, as well as Garda Shiakana when we went in to file a uh, case under the Children First Act of 2015 being violated. So we are being dismissed by every single authority in Ireland. Again, the government is turning their back instead of listening to our concerns. They're handing over our funds to these NGOs to push the agenda. 
and we're not being listened to, heard or respected. And it's time now to talk about the the who and the why. We'll do that in a second. You are listening to Janet London. She's on the line from Meath. I know she doesn't sound like she's from Meath. We might ask about that a bit later on. Uh, she's an advocate for health, freedom, human rights, women, children and the family unit. Founded the Natural Women's Council. Uh, she's a mother and this is a book called This Book is Gay. It's in libraries and it's on a list of approved books for 12 to 17 year olds. But uh, liberal old socialist, I'm, I'm, I'm an old champagne socialist, I, I would say, and most champagne socialists would say, it has no business in the hands of a 12-year-old. Uh, Jana is right, and her colleagues and her fellow campaigners are right on that issue. So, so you talked about the fetishisation and the sexualization of children. Who and why? How are they getting away with it? Mm-hmm. Where do we start? Yeah. Where do I start? Well, it, it, it's like a big onion and we're peeling back the layers and layers and layers. And the next step uh, we're going to take is our groups are going to collaborate to get some freedom of information requests in so we can actually see the names of the people who signed the pen on the paper and who should be personally held accountable for approving these books for age 12. So that needs to be done. But I do know from the research we've done that these books are, it starts with the HSE, our health service in Ireland, promoting these books through the Healthy Ireland program. Some of these books have a big green sticker uh, with an HI on the front, which stands for Healthy Ireland, which is an HSE funded program paid for with our public funds. The book is also, these books, many of them, not just this book is gay, there's dozens of books on the Rainbow Read, Pride, whatever list they decide to call it and and brand it as. Dozens of these books we found, we've read at least 10 ourselves that are completely inappropriate. Both books in the LGBT section, but also books in the the section, uh, books that are, you know, um, not in the, the, the gay section, which are also sexually explicit so it's not an issue of straight or gay this is an issue of content and on post our postal service which is publicly funded is promoting this children's books ireland uh consulting with groups like uh the ngos such as belong to which is a trans right group tenny uh lots of other publicly funded ngos so you know our everybody behind this is a government body or a government funded NGO. It's our public funds misappropriately being used to sexually uh, indoctrinate children, break the Children's First Act, break the laws in the EU and the United Nations that protect children. So we speak up because we're concerned that our public funds are being misused to sexually indoctrinate and confuse young children. Um, And nobody seems to want to do anything about it. I've had a couple of people over the years come on from the other side, but not in the last few years because um, because they really couldn't answer any of my questions. I, I, I asked um, somebody from Mermaids, I think it was a few years ago, I said, you know, you, you're claiming to want to solve a problem which doesn't exist. You know, gay rights were won many years ago. We don't have gay bashing. We don't have people excluded from jobs because they're gay. In fact, gay people are overrepresented in pretty much every part of society, the media, everywhere. And that's a good thing. People shouldn't be beaten up or persecuted because of their sexuality. But that that was one. As far as trans people go, again, we've always had a tiny minority of people who prefer to live as the opposite sex to which they were born. And over the years, again, you know, people tended to be more 
not empathetic, but sympathetic to their plight and tended to just leave them alone, which old trans people or older trans people tell me that's all we ever wanted, Richie, was just to be left alone. So, yeah. so there isn't a problem. There, there is no problem. You know, we are, we've never been more tolerant of people and how they choose to live their lives. I never thought, Jana, that um, in this crazy world we're, we're living in now with all of these terrible agendas playing out and, and the world getting more and more authoritarian, that we'd be finding ourselves having to regularly say, listen, men can't be women. There is no such thing as a trans woman. It is gibberish. There are male and female. There is biological male and biological female. But yet here we are, and you touched on this. This is being fed to children as if it's important when it isn't. But I mentioned to you today in the pre-chat, the British government seemingly wants to take a step back um, you know, to take a step forward in terms of protecting biological women's rights. They're going to use the Equality Act here. They're going to change some phraseology in it to protect the rights of biological women. Um, what do you make of that? Is that is that cause for, if not celebration, kind of cautious optimism that there might be some fight back here? Yeah, this, this is a great example of uh, showing the power of public backlash. And it shows that, you know, if the power of the people, if we keep standing up and we keep pushing, change will happen. And we hit a lot, a lot of brick walls with this library campaign, getting dismissed by every everyone since we launched it in January. But now it's like it's a big block of wood and we've kept going, going and going. And there's little splinters starting to come off and there's now cracks in that piece of wood. And I believe, and maybe, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I believe that this narrative and this you know, sexual exploitation and indoctrination of children is absolutely going to collapse. They've pushed it too far. In the Irish news this week, you may have seen that the Garda commissioner, Drew Harris, uh, just withdrew his threat to push the Gardaí to misgender. Um, and again, that shows the power of the public backlash. There was um, lots of sergeants and inspectors pushing back on you know, we don't, we, they didn't believe they should be disciplined to go through a disciplinary process, as he was quoted saying, if they don't go play the pronoun game or, or, or whatever it was. And um, I think that this will collapse. I, I feel optimistic. We are seeing enough cracks in the foundation uh, by getting the awareness out and letting people know that they have the, they have the power, you know, these are their children. I preferred when Gardy and the police solved crimes and chased burglars and stuff like that. To be so wrapped up in this kind of thing. I interviewed Caroline Farrow yesterday again. An extraordinary woman. Six months ago, they basically broke into her house and seized her phones and her children's phones because a man who identifies as a woman said said that Caroline had sent a malicious meme online. When the meme was sent, she was in the church playing the organ. They kept her in jail overnight before releasing her back to her family. Her children are still traumatised. That gives you a real slap in the face when you think you live in a free society and you can be done for that. So it's all the more important now. And I know one or two trans people. I genuinely do. And um, I really like them. So I feel kind of half guilty when I find myself online telling crazy people, you know, crazy men with terrible makeup who are screaming at people and calling them bigoted. And you find yourself intervening saying, no, no, you're not a woman. You couldn't be a woman. Um, but but yeah, this 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 is everywhere. What about that lockstep thing? I mean, it's very clever. It's happened pretty much in Western society anyway. It's happened in Western Europe and the United States all at the same time, hasn't it, Jana? It sure has. It's it's not just an Irish uh, thing. It's it's a global thing. However, I do feel that the Irish 
it's part of the Irish identity. I'm from, you said you, said you didn't detect a Meath accent. I'm no. born and raised in, in Maine, East Coast, USA. I've been in Ireland 20 years. Um, and I've lived in a few different countries uh, through my work and my personal life. And I believe, you know, it's part of the Irish identity to be kind. Ireland is the land of 100,000 welcomes. Irish are not a racist or hateful group. We we approved a, a passed the you know gay gay marriage rights bill here, one of the first countries to do that. So it's reprehensible that our kindness here and our empathy is being hijacked. I think Ireland because the people here are so empathetic and welcoming and kind and good-humored that the they are being taken advantage of and and that empathy is being hijacked to roll this out under the guise of kindness and inclusion where you know this is about children's innocence and children are born kind children are born inclusive we don't need to to push a, a inappropriate material in their faces to teach them kindness i mean that that's lunacy yeah i agree with this and um you know i th- th- yeah yeah, there's never been a more accepting people. I started in the media in 1998. There was a fairly vibrant gay scene in Waterford. There were one or two trans people, maybe not many more. And um, those people lived happily alongside everybody else. Yeah, of course, you know, you think it's quirky and you think it's a bit eccentric, but, but that's how it was. There were no threats to those people. What's happening now, and I've gotten into it with sociologists on the programme, is it seems to be with younger people who 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 are becoming convinced for other reasons, reasons maybe I don't understand, that they're in the wrong body. Th- those kids are somehow being induced into a kind of a way of living where they they aggressively pursue everybody else to participate in their fantasy. Everybody else must participate in the fantasy. So there's no tolerance there. Tolerance is either a two-way thing or it isn't. I don't want to participate in your fantasy. I'm happy to live alongside you. I'm happy to work with you in the same company. But you cannot compel me to believe that you are, in fact, a woman when I know you're not. No, that, that would be that would be narcissistic. And I believe that, you know, trying to force us to believe in the fantasy, force us to believe in a nonsensical approach where it's not biology and to force our kids to believe that is nothing short of narcissistic. And, you know, that we won't we won't participate in that. It's not our reality. Did you say that you've got a couple of late primary school children or one in in secondary school? And if so, it obviously it kind of explains why you're so passionate about it and why you're so heavily involved in the campaigning but you also must be terrified sending them off to school yeah my kids are actually young i have a, a preschooler starting a, wow. a school next year and i have a, a first a girl in first class and um, so they're not quite in secondary school but my mission is to try to keep all kids here in ireland safe especially my own um and not have to take the homeschool route. If I have to, I will. I, I, I'm already looking at a homeschool co-op option with a group of 20 other people where, you know, if it gets really bad and schools, you know, bring this in and there's, you know, we, we, we can't take them out. Uh, absolutely, we may homeschool. I was on the radio on one show here in Ireland and uh, there was a man, uh, I believe it was his name was Stephen, and he was saying, well, I go in and teach, you know, this this to kids. He goes in and teaches the gender ideology and the, all of this pornography into kids and they need it. And, you know, I asked him, do you have kids? No, he doesn't have kids. And I expressed my concerns. His response to it was, if you don't like what we're going to talk about to your kids, keep them home that day. So, my funds publicly fund schools, public schools where my children go. And I'm told by someone who is clearly in a minority because nobody else wants this, 
that I should just keep my kids home that day. Now, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom along with the camp, doing campaigning, event planning. I'm back in college as a student. I do, do lots of other stuff. So I have the luxury of keeping my kids home if I need to. But if two parents are working and this is 100 hours of this RSE education, they can't just keep them out of school. No, They have jobs. That, that's a really, again, a narcissistic thing to say. If you don't like what I'm going to say to your kids, you keep them home. And you answered the question about homeschooling because I was going to ask it, you know, had you considered or might you consider? It might be something you might still um, consider. You mentioned, um, we've got about three or four minutes left. You mentioned, by the way, you can follow Jana on Twitter. She is at JK London. That's L-U-N-D-E-N. If I'm butchering your surname, by the way, tell me and I'll pronounce it correctly. Oh, that, that's fine. That's great. JK, yeah, so it's it's Jana, so it's JK London, L-U-N-D-E-N. Give her a follow on Twitter there and keep up to date with the campaign. And you mentioned to me there's a rally tomorrow. I think you mentioned already, but give a plug to it because we do have a fairly yeah. hefty listenership back home. Yeah, we're meeting. We're we're meeting at twelve o'clock noon uh, in Swords on the main street outside Penny's shop. We will uh, be outside Penny's. Uh, we will then walk down the middle of the road. The guardie are aware and have approved this. We'll walk down with our signs and banners to the county council office in Swords. We'll be serving uh, another letter as a follow up as well to the county council office. So uh, we'll there. I'll be giving a speech. Uh, my friend and colleague Linda Kennedy, who's a brave teacher, who's been speaking up and founder of the Irish Education Alliance, please go to that website, irisheducationalliance.com. All the campaigns we collaborate on are on the website as well. Myself and Linda will be giving a speech talking about what's been happening and what we can all do about it to really give parents, uh, I suppose, the, the ease of mind that they do have the power. You know, they they are, they're, they're their children's parents, not the government. We don't co-parent with the government. We don't co-parent with the trans right activists. We are the parents of our children. IrishEducationAlliance.com And before we go, what's the Irish Mail Service known as? Again, you mentioned it earlier on. Uh, on post, A-N and then P-O-S-T. And they uh, also promote these books, uh, which we have identified that are not age appropriate at all. But I would like to say for anyone listening, I really urge anybody to go seek out the books, look through the graphic content and decide for themselves if it's right. I've been told that I am... Well, every name under the book, because I don't agree with these books, but the people calling me those names haven't even opened the book. Read the book, see what's in there and make their own judgment. And then have a conversation about it. Janet, it's uh, really nice to meet you. Thanks for giving us some of your time today. You've got children running in the door now anytime <laughs> to take over and, uh, and to be fed. So, uh, yeah, JK London, L-U-N-D-E-N. Uh, on Twitter and irisheducationalliance.com for more on these campaigns. Those books shouldn't be given to 12-year-olds. It's wrong. It's damaging. And um, I admire you for your, what do you say back home in the States? For your moxie. That's the word. I would say Sisu. I'm from Finnish heritage and Sisu you? means tenacity of purpose and courage. So uh, Sisu is my new favourite word through this the past few years. Well, it's new to me. Every day is a school day, as they say. Jana, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, and bye for now. Jana Lundy, live on the line from me. Excellent stuff. Um, do go to irisheducationalliance.com. Big shout out to uh, Jean Murray and to Ronan, by the way. Thanks for your help there. And Jonathan got in touch with me to say, didn't he, that the programme had been on um, Liveline to begin with and sent me the clips and everything. Tell you what. I nearly had a producer yesterday, uh, did, uh, did Jonathan, so I, I really appreciate that. Um, Jana sent me a song. 
And it's a song that was written by a uh, a listener to the programme, a singer-songwriter who um, listens to this particular programme. In fact, he told me a very funny story today. His name is Matthew. He said, uh, he said, Richie, come here and I tell you. He said, uh, I first came across your radio programme about a year ago. Now, you might think you've heard this story before, but you haven't, right? Because this has happened to three people that I know of. Three now. He said, I was on a cross-country bus that's Bus Aaron, Bus Aaron for, for, for Ireland, right? And he said, I was sitting in the bus and the bus had the radio on. This is a coach now with about 80 seats on it, right? Or 72 seats or whatever. And he said, I could hear this Irish guy ranting and it was very interesting, he said. And some of it was very funny. And I had no idea what it was. So he went to the bus driver who he reckons was Asian, um, like Asian, Middle Eastern Asian. And he asked the bus driver, what's that? And the bus driver said, it's Richie Allen. He said, I listened to this uh, programme. He said, it's very good. So uh, Matthew said, that's how I came across the show. Now, he's the third guy. And he told me the name of this Asian gentleman, but I wasn't anywhere near a pen. So I could write it down so I could give him a shout out. But he might be listening to this and he might be driving people today and it might be on in the bus. But uh, I will get his name and I'll give him a proper shout out. But at least three people have said to me that this has happened uh, to them before. Look, I'm going to play this song and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it when we come back. And then I'm going to be taking your telephone calls and your Skypes. I will be opening the Skype line in around about two minutes' time. I do want to hear from you. If you called recently, don't do it today. And like I said, we need to hear from a few more ladies. Let's balance it up a little bit today, right? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. now. I'll tell you about the song now. It's from Matthew Lawler. It's L A L O R. So it's Lawler. It's not Lawler. It's Lawler. Matthew Lawler. It's a song called The Shining Wire. And it's about how the elites have set a trap for people, right? A trap that's hidden in plain sight, um, using medicine, the media, the money, weaponizing people's empathy. So this is a, a euphemism for a rabbit snare, basically. Something sinister being normalized in real time and something people are scared of speaking about. Matthew uh, wrote the words and the music. He's from Tara in County Mees. And this is The Shining Wire on The Richie Allen Show. Taking your telephone calls and Skypes on the other side of this, okay?
Listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. Now the telephone line is open, the Skype line is open, the details are pinned to the top of live comment on richieallen.co.uk and they're also on BBG Richie on Twitter. Twitter at BBG Richie. It is the last tweet I posted. Here they are in any case. Get in touch with me between now and half six. Let's have a chat, you and me. 
It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Get in touch with me. Like I said, if you called in recently, don't call in today. If you've never called in before, do give me a shout. I look forward to uh, to hearing from you. Uh, uh, what did I have to tell you today? What was the one thing I had to tell you? What was the one thing, just before I take a call, I've just taken a call. What did I have to tell you today? <laughs> it's about tomorrow's guest. Oh, God. It'll come to me in a moment. I am useless sometimes. Caller, you are live on the Richie Allen Show. Welcome. Who am I speaking with, please? Hi, Richie. Shane. Hi, Shane. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm calling on M62 heading east. You're on the M62. Yeah, M60, M62. M62 heading east, so you're driving, so take good care there. What would you like to say, oh, Shane? Uh, Go ahead, buddy. The floor is yours. I'll, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not going to cover much things today. I'm not, I've not had a chance to call to say thank you. I'm actually Evie's dad. Do you remember Evie? I do, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Just, yeah rem- remind us. Sorry, go ahead. Evie is, was, was 12 when we spoke about Evie, right? That's, that's, that's right, yeah. And Evie was born a boy, but identified as a girl. No. <laughs> have I got that totally wrong? I have. Oh, God, how, how embarrassing. Because I, <laughs> I do remember speaking to a dad um, a few years ago or, or less about his boy who identified... Anyway, look, forget about that. Tell us about Evie, remind me. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Jesus Christ. I'm an idiot. Of course, Evie is an activist and she's out there putting stickers up. Yes. And There you go. Well, I got there in the end. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, she's currently supplying stickers to uh, basically anti-20-minute zones in Sheffield and uh, utilising CAS zones and uh, she supplies them and they get to distribute them at their protests, which which is the one again this Saturday. I mainly call to say thank you to everyone. Fantastic. And Reb- mainly thank you to you because. And Steve and Sue, it was Rebels on Roundabouts who gave you the uh, printer. Right, yes. Yeah. She, she was surprised everybody. I can't even. I couldn't even get. I couldn't in path get to say hello to her grandparents on the phone, and she had a full-on conversation with you for ten minutes. Yeah, that's right. She was brilliant. That's right. She was amazing. I'm sorry for not immediately recognising who, who she was. Oh, it's just because we've been talking about trans stuff and I thought, I wonder, is it? Anyway, <laughs> but uh, look, the line isn't great, so give her our regards. I'm delighted that it's worked out. And thanks again to Rebels on yeah. Roundabouts. Yeah, thank you again. So I'll let someone else get on. That's, that's basically, I wanted to do a thank you while I've got time. Brilliant, Stephen. Drive safely. No worries. Shane, by the Shane, way. Shane, Shane, <laughs> drive safely. I'm having some day. Drive safely, Shane. <laughs> Good, good to I'm chat with you. Cheers, buddy. Bye for now. Yeah, do you remember Evie rang in at uh, 12 years of age and uh, just had a chat, got permission from parents and had a chat about basically going out and doing something about the madness and alerting people to it. And she was doing it by making stickers. And we had a right good chat about it. And she was she, she didn't ask for anything, but um, she was talking about getting a printer. And mum couldn't loan the printer to her because mum's printer was a work printer, so she was a bit stuck. And Steve and Sue from Rebels on Roundabouts got in touch and they said, Richie, put us in touch with Evie and family and we'll send a printer over. And bingo, they did. And it's all worked out brilliantly, which is fantastic. It's a very gay burn moment, that, on the Richie Allen show. But we, we were in touch with a few years ago. 
I've probably got the name wrong, but a dad who came on to talk about his boy identifying as a girl, and we had a really, really good chat about that. I'm not sure. Eve, it might have been Eve. Anyway, I'm all over the place. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's edition. It is the 5th of April, 2023. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie, it's Pam. Hello, Anne. Where are you calling from? No, it's, it's Pam. Pa- do you know what I'm going to do, Pam? I'm going to start the programme again. I, I'm having one of those afternoons. I, I'm either deaf or or I've lost my remaining faculties. Pam, welcome. No. W- where are you calling from? Um, well, near Dundee, Broughty Ferry. Fantastic. A little bit further north than, yes. than I am. Well, you're very welcome, Pam. What would you like to say? Well, it was just that I'd, with the Nord Stream bombing... I'd initially just thought it was the Americans. It seemed to look that way. And then I I, I was just a wee bit sceptical about the Seymour Hersh article because um, there was no references. It was just an anonymous source. I just kind of didn't think much about it. And then I read an article by Kit Knightley from Off Guardian. And he's really saying it could well be that it just suits both sides, that the bombing maybe didn't happen, that it suits the Great Reset, and it's just one of those situations that we're just being conned again. You know, that the um, it's driven up the cost of energy, and, um, you know, that maybe just if they're, all sides are in on it, really. I just thought that was quite interesting to be able to think of it in that way rather than just automatically thinking it was the Americans. It's plausible, that theory, Pam, isn't it? Because I, something I've learned over the years is to, to, to keep telling myself or asking myself who benefits most from it. And mm-hmm. I think you nailed it, really. The agenda that, that we're watching unfold in front of our eyes most days, the agenda benefits, doesn't it? It does. And and as he says, Kit Knightley says, there's only one photo with some bubbles. There's nothing else, really. You know, we don't have any evidence there's been a bombing or anything. No, none whatsoever. And so it, go ahead, Pam. It, 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 no, no, it was just really... I also think the Russians have been quite quiet about it, considering it was such a heinous act. They seem to have been quite quiet about it all. Well, that's a very good point, Pam, because if, if Seymour Hersh was right... And his article has kind of garnered quite a bit of attention. You would imagine the Russians would be crowing about it, saying, look, mm. look, it was the Americans who did it, but, but nothing. And another thing, I don't know how long we're into this now. It must be a year and a month or a year and two months. We have yet to hear from a single politician, even the so-called left-wing ones, any you know, serious call for negotiations to put an end to this, Pam. Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing. And the, the Victoria Newland comments and Biden, maybe that was just a setup, so that we would think, oh, they said they were going to do something if it happened. You know, oh, you just don't know. We don't know what to believe about anything, do you? What's real? It's just that's the frustrating yeah. thing about it. Can can I ask yeah. you? You're you're probably not remotely interested because you know that in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But um, I was interested this morning, kind of mildly to see Peter Morrill and Nicholas Sturgeon. The SNP is um, all the news today because of allegations of misappropriation of money and financing and stuff like that. Her husband has been arrested and he's being questioned. What do you make of that, Pam? Is it of any interest? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read anything. A neighbour mentioned it, but 
I was just saying to her, I wonder if it's very convenient to allow them to maybe split up, you know, because I think their marriage is a sham anyway. So maybe just get rid of the old guard to bring in the new with the same agenda. Um, you know, and then they split up conveniently and, you know, just part of the whole thing and on it goes. You never know, do you? And, um, mm. and what about Scottish independence? Would that have been something previously that you would have been interested in or not or... I mean, it probably doesn't matter now because what is um, Humza Yousaf saying? He's saying, let's leave the Union and let's go straight into the European Union, which is kind of ridiculous. What would your thoughts have been historically on independence? Well, I was for it years ago until I realised all what was happening when this all started and I educated myself about it. And now I just think it's, you know, it, it's just, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. And it's just whatever it plays into their agenda. I don't think we'll have a choice in anything. And notice all these, when 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 they're doing, you know, what was the last one? Everything, everything they do, whether it's Brexit or um, independence or there was something else recently I've forgotten about. It was, oh yeah, it was the Humza Yousaf getting in. It's 52-48. They always say it's 52% for 48 against. And it just seems like they make these figures up. Yeah. There was just one thing other, Richie, I wanted to say. Just go ahead. I live in Rotty Ferry and there's been this massive scheme. It's right at the estuary of the river, so it's tidal, it's open water. And they built this um, £15 million uh, flood defence system that was never needed. It's never flooded. It's not on a floodplain. It's it's a beach. You know, it's an estuary running up into the River Tay. So it's £15 million. It's changed the whole place. To me, it looks a lot uglier, although peop- I know a lot of people like it. But it, it has taken the, the quirkiness away from the place. There was never any, they said there was public consultation, but that was, you know, that was just putting a face on it. There was there was never any, anybody was going to ever change anything. And the thing is that it's, although it's cost a fortune, the place is never flooded. It was based on computer modelling. They said, you'd still get it all online about it, a one in 200 year chance of the place flooding. And then it's this visual reminder to everybody that we're in imminent danger. And right. just, is that you know, is that the payoff for them? It's it's to keep it in people's minds that, you know, the the rising sea levels are coming here. I mean, did anybody at all in a position of authority say it's scandalous to spend what did you say, Pam? Fifteen, was it million pounds? One one five, I think. One five. That, yeah. I mean that's a ridiculous waste of money for uh, estuaries don't flood. No. It's never, I, I mean, I know I know some people here who have had three, four generations living here and it's never flooded. They used to put sandbags out and the old neighbours would say, oh, don't bother, it's, not, it's never going to flood, you know. And it never has. It's just a computer pro- projection, a modelling projection. But it's there now. Everybody sees it and it's a reminder, isn't it? And then the big business that, that, that built it makes a fortune and the council, you know, does quite well out of it as well. And it's to me, it's ruined the. Well, it's not ruined it, but it's not as. It's not as pretty as it was. And would there be communities very close to the sea in that in your part of the world, like close enough where they might start talking about decommissioning the the houses and moving people out because that's happened in Wales, you hasn't never it? Never know. 
yeah, I'm right on the front. I now face a wall, you know, small wall. I'm right on the front. But they, they, they said to me at the time, you know, the PR woman that would come around sort of said, oh, you're, you know, you, that you, it'll reduce your insurance. But I was just speaking to a business owner today and he said another business owner had said that they'd flagged up because he's now in a floodplain area because there's flood defences that his insurance is going up. His insurance is going up accordingly. His, this is in the wow. business that's just around the court. You know, I'm right at the front. You know, beside it, and it's a nearby business who who said it's, it's going up because he's now in, he's on a flood plane that has flood defences. It's a tax. So from, it's it's a make it's, money out of it. Yeah, 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 and it's advancing this agenda, this idea that climate change is going to transform the way we live and where we live. More importantly, I read something in the Telegraph today. I'm going to butcher this now, Pam, because. I, I, I should have copied and pasted, but I didn't. But you know the way we have energy ratings on our homes? They're, they're, going, yes. they're going to add a new rating alongside it. They're going to add a water, a water wastage rating on the, um, on the documentation as well. And they're going to start compelling people. I mean, there, there was something in the press about banning power showers in the future, mm. the manufacture of them so that we won't waste as much water. I think really they want to get everybody out of all the old houses, don't they? That's they ultimately, do. yeah, they that's do. the plan. And, and, and it wasn't until you started speaking about that, the, the, the ratings, I had, that hadn't dawned on me either. But I mean, they can, they can really say anything. If they want to stop people selling their houses or get them out, they can really do anything. That's why, if they, you know, we've all got to... I mean, I don't know what we do because it's pretty dead around here about any protesting or anybody getting together. It's really difficult. I, d- I hardly know anybody um, around here that feels the way I do, but I, d- I don't know. I'd like to get more involved. I did, I did go to um, the first year protests and things, but then I just felt it's counterproductive. Do you feel... Um, I don't want to be... I don't want to be... Um, I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of counsellor now because I'm not a counsellor. Um, but do you do you feel isolated then in that situation that you know what's happening, but pretty much everybody around you doesn't? Is that an isolating experience? Uh, yeah, a bit. A bit. I just keep hoping. I just keep. I've, I've got notebooks full of you know videos and references and articles. I just think could somebody just you know after three years, just think one of your friends could maybe just say. Could you send me something? Or yeah. but I, I do have two or three people that I know that I could speak to. My family's fine, you know. Well, the close family's the same as me, so that's the main thing I think. If you're if you're closest is is next, you know, with you on it sort of thing. But yeah. you know, there's hardly anybody though. It just feels like nothing's happening. Everybody's accepting everything. You're my dream candidate, really, to speak to people because you've got a beautiful speaking voice and you're obviously lovely. I mean, if, if <laughs> no, I mean that 100%. If you can't do it, the rest of us might as well give up, you know. I can't imagine anybody getting annoyed at you if you say, listen, I think this might be happening. Um, my name is Pam. Have a look at this. I mean, if, if it doesn't work for you, you might as well all give up, Pam. But, oh, well, um, I, thank yeah. you. But I, I think people don't want to look. They don't want to look. As long as their lives at the moment feel natural and normal for them, they're happy with that they won't sort of look into the future about what's coming. And it's coming soon, that's the thing. But you know really what, Pam? Is. Do you know what? I, I, I can't imagine that anybody really feels okay at the moment. This is something we touched on with a guest um, some time ago, some weeks ago. I, I believe that even those who deny it and who are carrying on as normal, 
they must feel something. It's like, not to use this silly childish analogy, but, you know, George Lucas might say, there's been a big disturbance in the force. There has been. Mm-hmm. And people must mm-hmm. feel that. They must feel that oppression. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But they're not putting things together with the rising energy costs. and They're, they're just getting bamboozled with propaganda all the time. I mean, I suppose I'm quite lucky I've got the time to look into things because it does take a bit of time to look at, look at things. But they, they, I think they're unable to piece it together, all the different assaults on us. Pam, brilliant to speak to you. You've um, yes, it's, it's been a brilliant call. I really just outside Dundee or just inside Dundee, just outside Dundee. Just down on the Dundee's just slightly further up the River Tee and Broughty Ferries on the coast. It's sort of a wee sea. It's more of a seaside place. I just like quickly to say to everybody if they could support the show as well because we need you to keep on going and. You know, you can't keep on going without money coming in, so I hope people will do that. Oh, you're very kind to say that. Now, Pam, I really appreciate it. And look, regardless, I'm I'm not going anywhere. As long as I as long as they allow us to to continue to make programmes like this, I'll be here every week. So so um thanks for the kind words. I'm I'm really glad to have met you. I really am, Pam. Thanks, Richie. And mind yourself, look after yourself. Pam, just outside Dundee, how lovely. And uh, yeah, we came in with Pam on the Seymour Hirsch thing, didn't we? The um the claim that the Nord Stream pipeline attack was carried out by the United States, but Pam said she's been reading something else, which says that well, really the Great Reset agenda has um is the is the real benefactor of of uh, of of that claim, and maybe it didn't happen at all, says Pam. It's uh, twenty four minutes to the top of the hour. Lots of calls coming in, which is lovely. Julia is next, uh, or just about next. Um, trying to, get, yeah, yeah, good. I can call her now. Good. I'm keeping an eye on who's next. You see, just just for the crack, I've got to remind you, there is no, there is no editor, there is no producer here doing all of this. It's just me. Thanks for Pam to Pam for mentioning funding. Massive thanks to Mark Poyerski. MarkPoyerski.com. Find Mark on YouTube. Gentlemen, he's done it for years. He's raised money for years for the independent media, but also for the Richie Allen Show, something he did recently. And um, I just got to thank him from the bottom of my heart for doing that. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Here are the details again, by the way. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And if you came in a bit late on the programme, just to let you know, I started at 4.30 UK time today and today only, right? And that's because um, I'm doing the two hours, half four to half six. It's because I'm going to a football game later on. That's why I did the two hours a bit earlier. So it might you might be a bit confused now if you're uh, getting if you're if you're just logging on. Uh, the program, of course, is always archived. The usual places: Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, and all the rest of it. Now, the last time we spoke with Julia, it was about NHS waiting times. Let's welcome Julia back to the program. Julia, welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm great. It's nice to talk to you again. When was the last time? It's about six months or before. It was even longer than that, Julia, was it? Um, I think it was less than that. I think it's about three, four months ago. Just before Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just before Christmas. Yeah. Welcome back. So, yeah, it's um, I I I watch the breakfast news programs. It seems like every other day, 
and I'm I'm not I'm as a trade unionist now. I am in total support of people who want to withdraw their labour to get a better deal. So I'm not criticising junior doctors or nurses. But lately, the, the the thing seems to be more strikes are making it worse for people who are waiting for very serious procedures uh, on the NHS waiting list, which were obviously created. Well, they were waiting lists were bad before the COVID thing. They've become worse during the COVID thing. And some people now have been waiting for years for, for important procedures. We spoke about this last time you were on and you're here to tell me today nothing is improving. Um, I think it's getting worse, to be honest. I mean, I was referred to see a neurologist um, in November or December of last year. Um, so guess when I've been told I will get an appointment? I dread to ask you when. Sometime in 2024. Sometime next year. Yeah, and that's that's quite a good one. I've seen people online on the support group um, and they've been given appointments for 2025. And this is the condition that I, the, to see the neurologist, it can be a sign of MS. It can be a sign of a brain tumour. Very low probabilities of that but it's a probability so people are just being left and it's also in terms of pain levels it's supposed to be more painful than kidney stones so these people are being left in like eons of agony for years with no help no support so you look online a lot of people they can't afford to they're obviously you know using their credit card or whatever or borrowing the money from family and they're going private because they have no choice and then you've got those people who really can't afford it don't have somebody that can support them who are just left and my concern with this is well obviously we're going to have so many more people who have got something underlying serious not just for this condition but for other conditions and that weight is going to be terminal for them, isn't it? Because it's the, the, the diagnosis is going to be missed. It's going to by the time they get there, it's going to be a stage three or too a stage late. Yeah, three, and then it's too late. So you've got that. Um, and the other concern, looking at some of the posts on online. I mean, I try and avoid it, but sometimes it has been helpful with sort of medication. I mean, we're on sort of medication. I have to go on an epilepsy medication. It's horrific. Um, the medication's awful and these people are in absolute despair. How many people are just going to say enough is enough and just end it? And I just I just don't think that there is any understanding. And the way the system works, it's stupid, absolutely stupid. Now, the, the, the causes of this can be various different things, but what you really need to have is an MRI. The problem is, is in a lot of areas, uh, I'm in Dorset, the health authority area is really tight they won't allow GPs to refer for an MRI. So if I was in another area, it might have been that a GP could refer me for an MRI and I would have had that done, then, you know, at least you've got panic over, I know what's causing it. Can you explain this to me, right? As far as I understand, the MRI scan technology has been around for quite a long time now. Yeah. And you're not the first person to say to me that they know their GPs are being discouraged, sometimes, you know, strongly discouraged from referring somebody for an MRI scan, which could be the difference between life and death. They're not allowed to. In in this area, a GP is not allowed to refer for an MRI. It has to be a specialist. 
But well, why? Because what, what, you need the... to see a, speci- see a specialist in a few weeks or a couple yeah. of months. But if you can't see a specialist for a year, two years, it's too late. Well, let me ask you this. The question I was going to ask you, if you know the answer to this, is it, surely it can't be that expensive a procedure in 2023. They've got the machines. They've got the people who, you know, put you into the MRI scan and press the buttons and what have you. How can it be that expensive? I don't get that, Julie. I don't. In, in terms of expense, um, I know because I was even looking to go to Eastern Europe to have one done um, when I was like thinking I because I was I struggled to get a private neurology appointment. Um, Why? But I have now had one because um, I had to. That I had no choice. Um, I felt so I have been referred for an MRI in terms of costing I know in Eastern Europe it costs I think like two three hundred pounds privately here you're talking anything from 500 to 1,200 pounds where's it's- the money hang on Julia where's the money going presumably the money is going on the neurology expert who reads the scan that must be where most of the money is going right I think so I mean and well in private hospitals obviously the yeah. uh, are taking a, a big cut of that as well so in terms of what the NHS costs I, I'm not sure yes it could be you know a few hundred pounds or more than that but then they, they don't look at the bigger picture that one or two misdiagnosis where people have had to wait and then they end up suing the NHS yeah how much is that costing you know tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds so isn't it better to try and just get people in to avoid that where you've, you're going to have either people suing or people getting so ill that instead of their treatment being, you know, minor, they're then having to go through massive treatment and, you know, months and months of chemotherapy and serious surgery when if it got caught earlier, it might have been a minor surgical procedure, a little bit of radiotherapy. It, there's yeah. no, they, they don't look at the bigger long-term picture at all. Um, is, it's just all short term. Is it possible that it's because people in positions of power, like bigger fish than the doctors, bigger fish than the MRI consultants, that this is part of a wider plan, and that I this is so. deliberate? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, to me, it's 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 deliberate. And as you say, I mean, when I start sort of saying anything, people are like, oh, you can't you can't slag off the NHS. I'm not slagging off the NHS. I'm slagging off those people who are running the NHS, which is essentially the government, isn't it? So they just don't care. And to me, yes, it's it's a wider issue of, okay, we don't want sick people in society, so we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that we make their lives absolute yeah. hell. We don't want so. 7 billion people in society. I, I've needed to have an x-ray done on my chest here because I... Have um, I've had a long history of chest complaints, and it's been a long time since I've had an X-ray. It took um, the best part of eight weeks to get the X-ray done. That's, That's an crazy. X-ray. That's a yeah. simple thing. You walk in, you take your top off, you stick your chest to the machine. The person says you're done. Go home. Eight, eight, just over eight weeks. You know, it's not going. I'm not going to die because of that. But there will be people who might die because of such yeah. a waiting list. Yeah, exactly. And as I say, to me, it's 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 just a, it's now. I mean, I've written to my MP, but I've done that before. They they don't care. Don't give a they damn. really don't care. Um, and you just end up paying and paying and paying. And it's you know, I I don't have the money to keep paying. 
um, as I think most people don't at the moment because bills have gone through the roof and we're all really struggling, aren't we? Yeah, and it's funny you talk about paying. If they had come back to me and said they saw something um, and I was channeling something else at the same time, um, somebody in my circle... And um, it's not anybody that anybody knows because people will speculate now, but it isn't. Somebody in my circle lost a loved one. A loved one, Julie, this is true. And this person will eventually come on this program to talk about this. Now, now, the person I'm referring to is suing their GP and is suing the NHS as well. Um, The person's loved one repeatedly told GP uh, time and time again and documented it that he or she was very, very, very unwell and needed exploratory procedures done and blah, blah, blah. None of it happened. This went on for months. The person is dead now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my um, contact, somebody who is in is in my circle, is, is not putting up with that and has mm-hmm. uh, initiated proceedings against the National Health Service. Yeah, because this went on in the second lockdown it began person knew they were unwell, had the pain, I need the scans, I definitely need an MRI, denied, 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 denied. And when eventually it did happen, it was a case of, um, sorry, you don't have long to live. Yeah. And and like you say, if if they'd have been listened to the first or second time that they went to the GP, they'd probably still be here now. They might still be alive, yeah. And there is so, there must be case after case after case of this. And People talk about the high death rates and say it's the vaccine, it's the vaccine, it's the vaccine. Yeah, I agree, a lot of those are. But I also think a lot, a lot of the excess death is because people like your friends, uh, they, they they are going and, and begging for help. They know something's terribly wrong and they're either not listened to or they are referred, but the referral is taking so long that by, by the time they're seen... Too late. Uh, and, and I keep hearing from people who say, oh, you know, a friend's father-in-law died or so-and-so died. Not people that I actually know myself, but they're, they're people that, as I say, sort of two degrees of separation, as it were, friends of, of friends, as it were. And so many of them, it's like, oh, yeah, they were, the father-in-law died, had stage four cancer, went to the GP, was dead a month later. And it's like, what what is happening here? Yeah, and you know there won't be a review of that person's case, and there should be yeah. a review. Yeah, that's it. That most people um, will not have a, to try and sue the NHS to try and get um, to, to try and get things reviewed, and that is you've you've got to have it's it's a hard thing to do, and I can imagine a lot of people going through the grief um, and the subsequent issues and anger. Uh, Things aren't going to be aren't going to be able to do that. They're going to be too too bereft, too angry, to actually walk to actually have the the strength to go through that because it's not a case of like you you contact them and they give you a payout. It's it can take months it or can years. Take you months, to do yeah. that. Julie, I'm going to take another call. I think we might get calls on this. And um, what I'll do is I want to get into this. I think I know the people. Um, mm-hmm. Who will come on and talk about this from you know from from a clinical point of view, because it's it's massive. This you're right. It's I agree yeah. with you. The death figures some will be because the jabs are causing harm, but a lot of those uh, you know instances, a lot of those numbers, those cases are people who have died because of lack of access to treatment or treatment came too late. So uh, thanks for bringing that up again, Julia. Good to hear from you. Thanks, 
Thanks. Take care. And mind yourself, Julia on the line to us there. And good luck with her with her own situation. Here are the contact details again, by the way. Yeah, somebody I know. Through somebody I know, it must be said. Um, loved one died basically because they were ignored. And when it came to getting the scan that was needed, it was too late. Yeah. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Jean is telling me that the situation in Ireland, as she understands it, is that doctors in Ireland refer the patient to a specialist a kind of a middle person, a middle man, middle woman. So you refer to a specialist and then the specialist would refer you to an MRI. And that means there are two fees to be negotiated before you even get the MRI. And what's happening here is obviously happening in Ireland. It's happening in France and Egypt is that people are being denied access. So it must be the person who's reading the scan that's, that's making a fortune because the MRI scanner is not brand new or even new technology. It's been around a long time and it should be fairly straightforward. I had an MRI scan years and years and years and years ago. I had it in a hospital in Boston, would you believe? I'd been river rafting in San Jose, Costa Rica. This is a true story. I took an almighty bang on my head and I was dizzy for days and days. And I was in Boston. You know, if you're an American, you can't get healthcare. They don't look after their own people. But I was in Boston and I went into an emergency room. I said, I don't think I'm quite right here. They sent me for an immediate MRI scan. I don't know. They might have billed Bertie Ahern for maybe Bertie Ahern paid for my scan. Anyway, back to the phone calls. Caller, welcome to the program. Who am I speaking with? Is that me, Richie? You're on. Yeah, you're live. Who, who have I got? Oh, hi, mate. It's Donnie in Brighton. How are you doing, Donnie in Brighton? Donny, are you a Brighton and Hove Albion? It's been a long Sorry, time. Mate. Are you a Brighton and Hove Albion fan? I'm not, mate. I was born in uh, I was born in Amsterdam, in Manchester, so I'm a red suit. Good man, good man. FA Cup semi-final in two I've weeks. I've got a soft spot for Brighton though, because I do like the place and that. You know, in fact, a few years ago, Brighton beat United on the last day of the season without even thinking. I was like, oh, that's cool, because they stayed up. And then I was like, the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? So yeah, I got a soft spot, I guess. Yeah, they're a good side. Now, more important matters. The floor is yours. What would you like to say, buddy? Go ahead. Oh, man, there's so many things I want to say, Richie. And it all, for me, it all boils down to the bigger picture. That's all I ever used to talk about before my channel was deleted about a year ago. But yeah, it's, a, it's just the bigger picture. I think we actually need to face it. That's all I've ever been about, really, when I was allowed to speak. But it's like, yeah, I just think we need to get our heads around the fact that there is a global elite. They do own the central banks. The, the format is the same in every country. Bank of England, this country, Federal Reserve America, it doesn't seem to matter. And unless we start actually facing that and then realizing that extrapolating from that, that they, they also own all the corporations as well that are increasingly always on side when it comes to regulatory capture or, say, the COVID scandemic procedures that they implement. You know, everyone seems to be a bit in the dark about how it all keeps happening and why, why you know, you said yourself on there, I forget who you were talking to, it might have been Hayden Hewitt, where he just basically said that the corporations will take over. I forget, you might be able to help me out here, where they'll, they'll, they'll be implementing the procedures. That's right. Now, the he said that seems to get missed there for me, go on, mate. He, yeah, he said the private sector will drive the agenda. Yeah. Governments won't need to legislate. 
Yeah, the thing that's missing yeah. there for me is that the people that own the private sector also own the governments because they also own the central banking structure and the high street banks and all the tentacles that run through it. So I think we, we literally need to start looking at what's actually going on, looking into it, reporting on it, and maybe I because there are ways and means that you can actually look into the, the nitty gritty on this. And you've got an army of independent journalists that listen to your show, you know, and we could get you when you look into it, it always comes down to BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street, et cetera, you know, and it's, it's actually a real thing. So it, it gets rid of a lot of the what the hell's going on when it's actually it is orchestrated. We have to face it. I don't see how we're going to ever get through this if we don't, quite here's, frankly. Here's a question for and you. There's lots of ways. Go on, mate. Here's a question for you, Donny. Serious question. I don't think I've asked anybody this. Do mm-hmm. Does it make sense for people like us to make contingency plans for the eventuality that people will not realise this in great enough numbers and to make contingency plans to try and live and duck and dive in a tyrannical society? Because I... I'm not pessimistic, I'm not depressed, I don't go around fed up, I'm a pretty happy guy, but I'm beginning to realise that cashless is coming, social credit is coming, none of this is going to not happen. And I hope I'm wrong, by the way, and I I, I say more power to everybody who's doing their bit to try and, you know, put up a dam against this to stop it, I love it, and, and, and I hope they succeed and we succeed. But wouldn't we be clever to make contingency plans in the event that we that we don't stop it? Absolutely, yeah. But it's how far are those contingency plans going to help you in the end? Because my initially, when I started waking up, I hate that term, but you know, deprogramming say ten, twelve years ago, it was very largely selfish. You know, it's like okay, there's an economic smash coming. Central banks own the world; they're going to manufacture another gold, silver, then it got into crypto and got a portfolio there. And that's, that's another story. That's all been, that space has been completely co-opted by the banks through investment, through BlackRock and Vanguard and usual suspects. So I would say, yeah, it's absolutely essential that we take contingency plans, but I just don't see this two-tier society. I literally don't. And there's a number of reasons for that. That There's no way they're going to let a bunch of, say, Richie Allen's got a bunch of crypto and gold and silver and say some other people have as well. These people that run the world are not going to pat us on the back and go, oh, well played, mate. <laughs> you, know, you did well. You know, you've, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. figured it out and you, you made contingency plans. They're not going to leave us. They're not going to leave people alone. So it's a good idea to do it. You've got to not be the lowest hanging fruit. And then when it comes to the crypto space, that means holding your own keys, avoiding the shit coins. Another bigger story there. You know, they've co-opted it to the point where they, they put up their front men, the stooges like the Sun Bank and Freeze of FTX scandal a few weeks ago or months ago now. I mean, the chances that that guy was the orchestrator of all that, it's the same chance that Elon Musk is the champion of free speech. You know? yeah. and, and Jeff Bezos organically grew Amazon from the ground up. I mean, they have to use the banking system to do multi-billion dollar fraud. So the chances that they weren't in on it and essentially orchestrating it are pretty much zero for me. I so agree. absolutely contingency plans need to be made, but unless we face the bigger picture, which is these people are orchestrating in the background, they're just going to wipe us off the board anyway. And my absolute firm belief in that is that they've done these resets before, Richie. They literally have. There's so many channels now of an abundance of evidence of prior resets, you know, um, free energy, free hydroelectric power in London with water hydro stations. There's a channel by Paul Cook that's revealing massive geopolymer structures in England. 
like Liverpool, Manchester, it's everywhere. So for me, it's been done before. It'd be crazy not to make contingency plans, but with this not in place. No, I, I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear what run, you're saying. You know? I hear what you're saying. They're hardly likely to say, "Okay, guys, we'll exclude you from the tyranny. You go and live over there exactly. in those fields." Listen, I, I get that 100. percent Things I do like. I mean, to I'm see. in the crypto space, Richie, and it's like, say, the like a big player in the space that you're aware of is Jeff Berwick, right? Oh, and by the way. He's for three years, he's just started again. That's probably why he was turning you down. But you know, say all those guys, at Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, you know, because then they've got a story to happen during the reset. So for me, these have been done before when they stole the gold. You know, people have forgotten that they're worried about cashless society. Now, cash is just the ghost of money. When they did this reset before, in my opinion, there's abundance of evidence for it. But it goes back to like the, when they stole the gold, and they say that. The gold standard failed. How would gold fail? You know, if you and I no, are checking fail. gold, no, 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 no. I'm just going to suddenly go. You know what? I'd rather have a bit of fucking paper. It you was a. It, it was. It was a plan that's easy enough to 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 read about the. Evidence is all there in their own documentation, in the newspaper stories of the day. They took the gold standard away and they allowed commercial yeah. banks to lend seven, eight, nine times their reserves. Fractional reserve banking yeah. is a tyranny well, because... Best described now is fictional reserve Fictional banking reserve banking. Reserve. Absolutely. Donnie, the line is breaking up really badly, so I'm going to let you go there, but it's nice to hear from you again. I'm sorry they got rid of your YouTube channel. I really am. It's um, yeah, well, happened yeah. to so many well, people. They seem to know. They just don't want the bigger picture message to be painted. I think if you're isolated in one area and you're an expert in that area, they'll let your channel go, you know, because it, it propagates the narrative that you are free and independent. And look over here, some guy's talking about flat earth or whatever, you know. But if you're actually knitting it all together, that you just you, your card's marked from the beginning. They don't want people knowing the bigger picture, you know. They really don't. They don't, buddy. The, the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on because the line is really bad at that point. Donny, thanks, mate. In Brighton, good to hear from you again. It's been a couple of years since we heard from Donny. In fact, I gave him a bit of a clip on the year a couple of years ago when he was on because he was coming on to promote his YouTube channel. I said I can't have that, but a uh, good lad, and he knows his onions. I think he's right. Uh, you know, they're they're hardly likely to say. Well, seeing as you guys have figured out the whole scam, it's okay for you to go and build your parallel society. Of course not. Of course not. Contact details again. As I said, they are pinned to the top of... Yeah. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. There is a poltergeist in the studio. I didn't fire that jingle. I got a fright there, to be honest. Yeah, it's. I'm having an afternoon of it, really. There, Shane came on to talk about little Evie, and I'm thinking it's somebody else entirely. I'm having some day of it, me. But anyway, we've had some fantastic calls, every single one of them so far. Thank you, callers. Keep them coming in. I'm here for another half an hour today. It's a full two-hour show, but I started at 4.30. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's, uh, it's Pedro from Northern Northeast. Two seconds, I'm just trying to... Uh, You're I'm pulling in, Pedro. Uh, I'm good, mate. Um, I was just—I don't know what you've been talking about because I've just been at work, like I say. But I wanted to talk to you about geoengineering. Go right ahead. Yeah, Pedro, we've not talked about this uh, for a while. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, like about two and a half years ago, like uh, I live—I live by the river, 
Um, so like two and a half years ago, I obviously started like noticing that was when it uh, became like really prevalent around ours. And um, I like I, I was like shocked, you know, like, so I started looking into it a little bit. And um, obviously it's all there, the information um, from like the, the uh, how the fact that they just, it's, you know, like learning about uh, how they used it in firewalls and things like that. Um, but I was just try- I was always trying to like get the process because I'd have the dog out for like 20 minutes. And then by the time I got home, it would be like completely covered, you know? Yeah. So, well, I, I work outside. Um, so I just started filming it, you know, and putting it on my Instagram. And then I found a few other people that were sharing the same information. Um, but it's it's unbelievable that people don't pay attention, you know. Oh, listen, it's listen. So my 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 great friend, and he is a great friend, Hayden Hewitt, doesn't believe that geoengineering is a real agenda. He doesn't believe it, and Hayden is nobody's shill. He's no gatekeeper. In fact, he will do all that he can, Pedro to facilitate you and me to have a conversation about geoengineering. But he doesn't see it, and that's fair enough. He thinks it's a bit crazy. I used to think it was crazy until I saw a film called What in the World Are They Spraying by Michael Murphy about 15 years ago. And I started looking into it myself. Of course it's happening. you've known about it for that long? More or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you know, I'll tell you the funny thing for me, because... uh, Like, about, about six, seven years ago was when I started, like, looking into all this crazy stuff. But it didn't really matter then, you know. But um, the thing that always made me laugh was, like, it was Bill Gates, you know, when he was talking about, oh, I'm going to, you know, use these satellites and cover the sun. Block and out the sun. I say to people, like, why, why, would, why would you want Bill Gates to play God, you know? Like, this was before, obviously, what's happened over the past few years. Um, and then, obviously, when I noticed this, you know, the, these lines that, I, I st- like I say, I was starting filming them. And then it was this one day I managed to catch, like, I, I walk like a mile loop with the dog. Um, so I managed to catch, like, all of it adding up, you know. And then by the time I got back home, it was completely covered. And um, I was, like I say, I've been, I've been filming for, like, two and a half years now. And, I, you know, like, I've put different music with it. You know, there's loads of people that do it. Pedro, but hang on, hang on, hang on, on, hang on a second. So, w- w- what is your Instagram known as? Where can people go and see these films? Um, probably the, uh, I've had, I've got three because I've had, I've been can't like had them shut down that much. But uh, if you go on there, uh, Pedro eighty one SC, um, that's that's where I share most of most of them on it. Um, I do have another one which is Pedro nineteen eighty one. Oh, sorry, Pedro SC nineteen eighty one or something like that. I can't, I can't remember. No, like no, I, say, I, put, just, I put you on the spot. The car, so there. No, I put you on the yeah. spot there. The first one you said was Pedro.81SE. Is that what you said? SC. SC, Sierra, Ch- Sierra Charlie. Pedro.81.SC. If people yeah. want to check them out, there. So you, you've been filming these things as they've been happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I am, um, like I, li- I live in Gateshead, so I'm, I'm right next to the river, you know. And um, like it's it's like today. So like I, I work I work somewhere else a bit further away. But like I say, I'm always outside. And it, it, like six o'clock in the morning, that's what time I normally start. Um, you can see you can see them spraying. It's always covering the sun. 
And then gradually, like yesterday, it was a beautiful day, blue skies, and you just see like a little bit tearing up. And then by the time I walk the dog on the night time, you can see, you know, like obviously, because I, I, I like walking the dog and watching the sunset or watching the sunrise, you know, and they just... That's what it's all about. It's about ruining everything that we love. Do you know what I mean? I've seen and I, I've seen weather forecasts here in the northwest in summer, and the forecast uh-huh. says beautiful clear skies today, blue skies, sunshine, twenty six whatever, twenty seven degrees, and I'm like yourself. I'm out early with the dog, and I can see yeah. a lot of activity now. Of course, we're very close to a major international airport. I'm aware of that. I'm not stupid. But at the same time, jet contrails are water, water vapour. And water vapour yeah, yeah. should not hang around and should not spread out and change a blue sky on a sunny day into a complete blanket of milky white um, substance that is, you know, has completely changed the day from a sunny day into an overcast, muggy, awful day. That's what should not happen, exactly. but that's what is happening, and I totally agree with you, Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, it, it's so fake. That's what I don't understand. But it, it, like to me, like you can, like I'm looking at the sky now. It's just a mist. It's not clouds. It's it's. And when I was re- when I was reading up about this uh, early on, um, I th- I, from what I understood, what I understood, because it was ages ago, and I read about it. They used it in, uh, I think it was in the Iraq war to like, you know, like bring down people's, um, like the soldiers, uh, like morale, you know, because that's what it does. I mean, I've had, a, I've had a bit of a crap day today, you know, and I'm sure it's because of that. Because yesterday I felt great and obviously you're getting the sunlight. Um, and it, it, it is just like, it's, it's, it's like the built, like the, they want to cover everything, do you know what I mean? And I always think like what they're doing behind that, you know, like if you look into like things like, Project Bluebeam and things like that. That's where they're going to practice, isn't it? Because I've watched that. You know, like, like you, you've probably seen yourself. Like, say, like they've been spraying the night before, and then like you, you get up early in the morning, you can see them filling the gaps. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so like if you're not looking, you'll not see it. But and barium, you look, it's barium, strontium, and aluminium. And I remember reading a report in the Times newspaper about nine years ago. About B mm-hmm. about B colony collapse in parts of the UK, and they said that the bees were dying from dementia. This is true. If anybody yeah. wants to check this out, they can check it out. And they were finding no, they were finding concentrated levels of aluminium in the bees. And the sixty four million dollar question, of course, Pedro is where are the bees picking up the aluminium? But nobody wanted to ask that fucking question. Excuse my language. Oh, no. You know, no, where, 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 where's, the, where's the aluminium coming from? Yeah. But isn't that the same? I mean, like, you know, it, it, it jumps straight into the same question with the, the vaccines. Do you know what I mean? Like, everybody seems to acknowledge the fact that they're putting aluminium in vaccines. Why did they do that? Do you know what I mean? And then autism rises. I mean, I'm no expert or whatever, but if, you, if you've got the brains to read something and see, like, a rise in something, like, I get so frustrated hearing these adverts about, like, oh, one in two people is going to have cancer. Yeah. You know, like, like that why? wasn't before. Yeah. No one asks why. Well, do you know, know like, the thing they do, they, they've, they've got a wonderful way of getting around it. So when you ask questions like Dr. Andy Wakefield has done and many others, and you say... Yeah, yeah. 
you say, oh, well, autism didn't exist in the 1970s. We didn't have children with these spectrum problems. Their standard yeah. answer is, well, we've just got much better at detecting it. But that's a load of nonsense, that. <laughs> it's is, such lies, man. Lies. Because you, you must think yourself, you know, like, obviously, with the discovery of how bad the PCR test is. Like, I would question any test that you get. How many people, you know, like, have been misdiagnosed with, with cancer and then given a treatment which has made them ill? Or, yeah. You know, like, like me, me personally, because, uh, you know, like, like, people like to think of this term as the awakening. And I think it's more like an acceptance because, like, really, we all know there's bad things happening in the world. Um, like, the hardest thing for me is being, like, discovering how little people seem to care. You know, like, because, like, obviously... I've been like early on. I wasn't that vocal because I I was trying to keep my job and that. But like once I realised how weak people were, like in my own job, like you know, like with the rules and things like that, I just stood up to it, and they all just backed off. But then like it it, it just astonished us that people like didn't seem to like you know like I was saying to them, look, well I've got them in the corner, just come and join us, you know, like you you take your mask off or whatever, and they just wouldn't, you know. And there was only about four of us. But like this is the hard thing to come around, isn't it? Like that's the that's the thing for me, which is the I know people call it uh, mass formation psychosis and you know all these different things, but you know like it's it, it's basically hypnosis in some way. Isn't mass it? mass hypnosis. I I I think for many yeah. people, it wasn't so much compliance; they just didn't know. I mean, the great majority mm. of people don't know the things we know, and they don't. They've never had any reason to mistrust their governments and so they don't mistrust their governments uh, and I think that's uh, it Pedro. I'm going to take another call before I finish yeah, yeah, up today no but th that Give was a brilliant call Pedro yeah. thanks very much buddy Bye, good yeah, to hear from you Pedro in Gateshead who films um, the chem trailing as it happens and he gave me an address pedro.81.sc pedro.81.sc that's Sierra Charlie if my phonetic alphabet is up to scratch. It's uh, 12 minutes past the hour. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from BBG Towers here in Salford, live on richieallen.co.uk, fabradio2 and tunein.com. Back with another call after this. To all the listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, we're back to the phones now. Caller, welcome. Who, who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. Steve. So, spoken before. How you doing, Steve? Where are you, pal? South Manchester. You're in South Manchester. Not a million miles away. Not a million miles away. Hey, welcome back, Steve. Yeah, it's been a while, buddy. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I just I just want to say, Miss London, there, you, you guessed earlier on, uh, a formidable and determined lady. Um, very brave. 
Agreed. Um, yeah, my uh, I want to refer to um, Caroline Farrell, your guest of uh, last night. Yeah. Yeah, Caroline. Her, yeah. Escap- her escapade with the police. Um, I mean, it's turned into basically what we're living in now is virtually a Stasi police state. You know, I mean, do you recall I mentioned to you my running with the police? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two well, or you, three you, months ago, got, you, 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 got, you had something similar, didn't you? You were you were asked about something you'd posted online. You told us that before, yeah, Steve, yeah. A, yeah, it was a Malcolm's uh, incident. Um, and how it all began, it was about 10 months ago, a colleague of mine, he was a clinical psychologist in Liverpool, um, he was being targeted online. A group of trolls and one particular gentleman were contacting his employer and his governing body trying to get him struck off and sacked from his job. Because of an opinion he expressed online about something. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, actually, well, he's a clinical psychologist, so it was over psychiatry and the COVID affair that was, that's been going on um, and still going on. Um, so uh, I jumped in to defend him and obviously that group jumped on me and I responded with what I would describe as a proportionate response. Now, my proportionate response is to ridicule these idiots, yeah? And um, obviously, they didn't like that. I'm, I'm quite good at that, ridiculing idiots. Not, not, inciting any, a... not inciting any violence or anything like that, just having a go at them using a bit of no, wit. No, no. A bit don't. of Mancunian I, I think wit. I said, yeah. yeah. I think I said to you previously, you know, threatening people online isn't big, it's not brave, it's childish. And it's know? against, and it's against um, the law, and it can get you in trouble, of course, yeah. Yeah, it can, but this this particular group and this particular gentleman was doing exactly that. So anyway, the procedure is with the police when an accusation is made against you, they do ask you to attend on a voluntary basis, yeah, um, to make a statement or an interview under caution. Yeah. Now I'm surprised. I got the impression I didn't I didn't listen to Caroline live but I got the impression they just turned up. They turned they up and no they didn't and they forcibly uh gained entry to her house. There's photographic evidence of this. They they put um, one of them put their foot in the doorway and held the door with his hand and basically told her she was being arrested. And they mm. just just to let our listeners in on it Caroline um, is an activist, she's a Christian woman um, she'd be, been trolled by a man who identifies as a woman um, she'd stood up for the biological sex rights of women and then this man mm, who identifies yeah, as a yeah. woman, he made a complaint that she had put a malicious communication online and it had offended him, she hadn't done it, she'd actually been in church when this thing was posted online playing the organ, they came yeah, in gangbusters yeah, took her out, brought her to the police station, kept her overnight, released her. She has yet to be charged, but the devices they took from her and her children mm. have not been returned. So you're right, that's Stasi right. police state stuff, Steve. 100%. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll, I'll 
come forward a little bit from the last time I spoke to you, the 29th of January, because I, uh, I'd contacted, the, I'd been in communication with the police, the particular police officer that took the complaint, yeah, uh, via email. And there was a number of emails exchanged. And my, my stance was, I don't see any necessity. I said, give me a ring and I'll, I'll, I'll clarify issues for you. Uh, she wouldn't phone me. It was a, ple- a lady police officer. I'm not going to mention her name, obviously. Greater Manchester Police um, we're talking about now. Pardon? We're talking about Greater Manchester Police, right? Yeah, it is uh, Greater. Uh, there's nothing great about them, but the Greater no, Manchester but that's, Police. Yeah, it's not yeah. Lancashire Police, it's GMP. And the reason I make that distinction, Steve, is because they've only yeah. recently been taken out of special measures and they've been warned to pull their socks up and yeah, specifically yeah, not, right, to, not right. to be dealing with this stuff, not to be harassing guys mm. like you because you had an argument with somebody on the internet. They've been told not to do yeah, this, specifically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's banter. I mean, there's nothing wrong with banter on social media or a little bit of ridicule when it's necessary. That's yeah. different to threat. That's entirely different to direct threats, where they're threatening your family and saying, I know where you live. They traced me through a picture I'd put on social media. They traced me through a license plate. The police police went as far as that. The police went as far as that. They used a a photograph to identify a car Mm. to come and find you, effectively. No, 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 the police didn't. The police didn't. The trolls did. Oh, the, the trolls troll did. group did. And they put your address yeah. on the internet. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the police, again, similar to Caroline's situation, where Caroline was explaining to the police, you know, the, the, the person who'd made the complaint had made similar complaints. Right. Um, I'd explain to the police what the situation was. That's why I wanted the phone call. But they would. She would not. She was too scared. You to might. Phone you, me well, to because like you might. You might. Me. You might record it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. They're very nervous about phone calls. I mean, they record. Sometimes they record the phone call as well, so it's on record. You know, like the body cams. The very yes. Some police officers are very nervous about the body cams. Yeah. But um, but yeah. Anyway. January the 29th. Steve, you've got, to, you, you've got to hurry this along because I'm off air in three and a half, four minutes. So where is it now, right. your situation? Yeah. Well, well, I did get arrested. I had four police officers kick me front door in. You are kidding uh, they me. They handcuffed me. They handcuffed me, threw, the, threw me in the back of a van, took, took me to East Manchester Police Station where I spent an hour and a half in a cell. I was fingerprinted. Uh, swabbed, um, photographed. Um, but, I mean, it didn't disturb me. I'm ex-military, so it, it didn't traumatise me in any way, and I half expected it. But anyway, it culminated in no further action than NSA due to insufficient evidence. Jesus Christ. Which and- I, yeah. Have you? Are which you going actually, to? Are you going to sue them? Like Caroline Farrow was suing them. Are you going to take an action against? I them? could do. I could do. I spoke to a barrister, and I've spoke to somebody within the police, quite high up, who I know. Yeah, 
and I could do, but I'm going to let it lie. I'm not going to bother because they already know they made a mistake. Yeah. They know they made a few errors. I mean, they took devices. They took my phone off my desk and didn't inform me at any stage. Now, they're supposed to do that. You hurt somebody's feelings on the internet, somebody who then doxed you, put your location online. Yeah. You hurt their feelings. They sent an email to the police. You say, I don't need a phone call, nothing to see here, and they come and Mm. take you into custody. I mean... Yeah, secret. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're we're only one step away from them doing that in the middle of the night and throwing you into the back of a van with a balaclava <laughs> on your head. But that's it, Steve, isn't it? That's the next logical yeah, step, yeah. really. Well, that's that's what I said. You know, we're on the verge of a Stasi state because the police have become very politicised now, and then you've got individual officers who've got their own political views and their own ideologies. Uh, So you have this problem. What they teach these police officers now in police college is nothing to do with policing, proper policing, you know. But the current current Home Secretary has, I I don't believe this for a minute now, I'm not naive, but the current Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, Braverman, has said that she's going to take this on and put a stop to this woke policing. We've got 30 seconds. Do Mm -hmm. Do you believe her? Do I believe it? Yeah. Uh, I believe it when I see it. I believe it when I see it. Let's put it that way. Thanks for the uh, update, Steve. It is absolutely disgusting, that. It really is. Well, it's not an isolated case. No. Because there's 2,000 incidents like this per year. You might remember... At the moment. You might remember a couple of years ago, they turned up to an ex-copper. They turned up to a guy who yeah, had retired yeah, with honours, yeah, yeah, and they said yeah. to him that they needed that to case, check. Yeah. They needed to check his thinking. Check his thinking, yeah. Because because he said <laughs> yeah. men but can't I, be I women. I gave the police. I mean, I'm Jesus ex-military, Christ. so I gave the police a hard time. I get you know, not ver- not physically, but verbally. I mean, they they did have a bit of difficulty putting the handcuffs on me when they put them on. If you if you struggle, they purposely put them on tight so they're digging into your wrist. Bullies, you know. Steve, we're out, yeah, of, we're, we're out of time. Thanks for the update on that. All right. It's horrible that okay, that's going yeah. on. I meant, to, I meant to phone in and give you an update, but um, but no. yeah, it's NFA, no further action, so it's over in that to that degree. I admire, take it I, I, I admire your magnanimous attitude. I'd be suing them, and it's not because I like to go about suing people, <laughs> but I'd be going the Caroline route. Steve, thanks, mate, and bye for now. That was Steve from South Manchester. Um, who had his own horrible run-in with the police because he got into an argument with somebody online and the person who he was arguing with got hurty feelings and reported Steve to the police, who eventually, because he wouldn't take a telephone call, came to his home mob-handed. Mob-handed. And said, we'll drag you into custody and we will interview you. Now, Braverman has said this is going to stop. Manchester Police, Greater Manchester Police, had been put in special measures because of horse shit like this and because they were not actually investigating crimes. They have a brand new chief constable, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, and he has said that this will stop. If it does, more power to him, but I won't hold my breath waiting for it to stop. Thank you so much to Jana London 
who was on the programme earlier on. She founded the Natural Women's Council. She is determined that 12-year-old children will not be exposed to explicit sexual books uh, in libraries or anywhere else. She's doing a great job. She's on Twitter at JKLunden, L-U-N-D-E-N. Give her a follow on Twitter there. That has been Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Dean Henderson is on the show with me tomorrow. That'll be a very interesting conversation. Dean Henderson on the programme tomorrow, Thursday. Back to the normal time, of course, five o'clock today, with an exception because I'm going to the footy. I need to get out of BBG Towers every now and then. Otherwise, I go mad sitting in the studio, going from the studio to the kitchen, to the living room, back up to the studio. I'm going to watch a Premier League football match tonight and uh, I'm going to have a cold bottle of beer while I do that. Back with you tomorrow at five. Thanks to all the callers. Every single one of you is brilliant, interesting and thought-provoking. Nothing like the Richie Allen Show, is there really? That sounded kind of facetious and it's not meant to sound like that. But there isn't anything like the show. You make it so. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Bye now. Bye.